the great Hardball Harge. Of course, you catch him every weekday right here on Texas Sports Unfiltered from 11 to noon. Trey will be joining us here in a moment, but come on. I don't need to talk. I need y'all to listen to the legendary voice of the Texas Rangers. Here is Eric Nadell on the call of the final out of Game 7 of the American League Championship Series. 1-2 pitch, ground ball, second base. Simeon's got it. On to first to Nate Lowe and hello World Series. The Rangers have won their third American League pennant. They stream out of the dugout and are jumping up and down between the mound and first base. For the first time since 2011, the Rangers are going to the World Series after having six consecutive losing seasons. What an amazing year this has been. And there's more baseball to be played. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. What an amazing year it's been, and there's still more baseball to be played. The Texas Rangers, American League champs for the first time since 2011, the third pennant in Rangers franchise history, and they knock off Goliath, the team that has dominated the Rangers, the team that has dominated the American League over the last seven seasons. The Rangers go into the lion's den and slay the Houston Astros, and boy, last night's game wasn't even close. The Rangers got out to that 3 nothing lead. They were able to knock Christian Javier out of the game before the Astros even got a chance to bat, and then the Rangers really broke it open with that four-run top of the fourth inning, and they ended up cruising to an easy 11-4 to victory. Yeah, there's nothing better than stress-free playoff baseball. Obviously, some tense moments in the first few innings while the game was still in hand, but once the Rangers pushed the lead to 8-2, to uh, the writing was kind of on the wall that this thing was over. Then Nate Lowe adds the two-run bomb to get the Rangers to 10, which has been the magic number for this Rangers offense all season. More 10-run offensive games than any other team in baseball during the regular season and in the biggest game. In the biggest moment, the Rangers offense stepped up and got the job done. And the Astros offense, like it was throughout the entirety of this series and like it was for most of the season, didn't show up at Minute Maid Park. So weird, man. So, so weird that the Astros, who have been damn near unbeatable in Houston since this dynastic run started in 2017, they couldn't win at home. They end the year going 40-47 and 47 at Minute Maid Park. Obviously, that's regular and post combined. They lose all four games at home in this series. Got to feel like deja vu in a bad way if you're an Astros fan. Major flashbacks to the 2019 World Series where, of course, the road team won every game of that seven-game set, which saw the Nationals celebrating on Houston's field after Game 7. Now, the same thing happening here in 2023. Obviously, the ALCS versus the World Series this time around. But the road team finding a way to win every game in this series. Only the second time in Major League Baseball that that's happened. Obviously, both of those instances have uh, involved the Astros. Just insane. And I man, I picked the Astros to win this series. Uh, and I really thought, and I think 90 Five percent of the world thought after game five ended the way that it did that the rangers were toast burnt toast and well the five percent included the guys in that rangers clubhouse who never gave up and the good news for the rangers and the bad news for the astros is that the last two games of the series were going to be played in houston I don't know what it is with the Astros. They never figured out how to win there, but the Rangers have been road warriors. It wasn't just this series where they took care of business away from home. Eight wins for the Rangers on the road in these playoffs. They've only won one home playoff game to this point, and here they are now four wins away from the World Series as we bring on Trey Elling right now. Trey, there haven't been too many glorious nights for Rangers fans ever but especially over the last seven or eight years, last night, a pretty spectacular night for everybody who roots for the Texas Rangers. Incredible for so many different reasons, BK. Starting with the fact that a lot of people left this team for dead after the heartbreak of Game 5. 
And this team has shown a sort of resilience from the beginning of the year. It cropped up throughout the season, but more uh, specifically, once the playoffs got going, this team really dialed in. And a lot of the credit goes to Bruce Bochy, of course, a guy who has a reputation for helping teams to get right at the best possible time. And then also the players themselves. I mean, Adolis Garcia is obviously a great example of a guy that could have let what happened at the end of game five completely go to his head the rest of the series. But he took home the ALCS MVP award for good reason last night. He was ridiculous. Sets a record for championship series RBI with 15. And I guess it's a shame that um, Alvarez was in this series because if he was not, people would be talking a lot more about Garcia right now. Alvarez is ridiculous, and uh, I'm glad not to have to face him. I was to a point, I texted Kevin last night. He was after the triple maybe. I'm like, you just IBB this guy the rest of the way. I don't care if the bases are loaded. You do not throw another pitch to this guy. But the Rangers were up so much after that that you had the luxury of trying to get them get him out. And I think they even did once before it was all said and done. Yeah, well, I, everyone's talking about Adolis Garcia, man. Like, oh, good. He, he's the biggest good. story from that series. And it wasn't just a championship series record. It was an any-series record. Nobody has ever oh, had wow. more RBIs in the history of an MLB postseason series than Adolis Garcia who just turned it on in a big way, had the dagger grand slam at the end of game six, and then two bombs last night in game seven. Only the fourth player in MLB history to have two home runs in a winner-take-all game seven. The guy was incredible. And, hey, sorry, Sylvester Turner, you've got to hand over your mayor title to Adolis Garcia because he is now the mayor of Houston. Now, Jose Altuve may be the mayor of Arlington with what he was able to do up at uh, Globe Life Field in those three games. But, man, for Adolis Garcia, think about how he started game six, right? Obviously, the big homer in game five looked to be the go-ahead homer. Rangers fans were thinking, oh, man, we're about to win this game. We're about to win this series. And then we've got the incident in the eighth inning. Altuve comes back in the ninth. The Rangers lose that game. And Adolis Garcia goes from, like, the goat in a good way to the goat in a bad way. And then he starts game six, Trey, with a golden sombrero. He was 0 for 4 with four strikeouts in his first four at-bats, and Astros fans are just giving him the business, in the words of that old ref in football. And then in the ninth inning, Garcia comes up and hits that grand slam to shut everybody up, and then he just picked up exactly where he left off last night in Game 7. So, man, the Rangers, like, you think of Seager and you think of Simeon, those are the two best players on the team, although I wish Simeon would play more like it. Um, those guys are kind of quiet, right? Like they, they just lead with their actions. They're not super brash or bodacious. They just go out there and play. And for the most part, the Rangers are kind of like that. But Adolis Garcia is not like that. Like he is the heart and soul and flash of this team. And when that guy's cooking, this team is tough to beat and this offense is tough to contain. And we saw that in game six and seven. Yeah, that is true. And credit to this. Yeah, it's hard to call it full bullpen efforts since Jordan Montgomery was one of the bullpen guys. But credit to this Rangers pitching staff for doing a great job last night, too. Scherzer battled. Uh, I know he gave up a couple of runs in what was a little bit less than three innings, if I'm remembering correctly. But Montgomery comes in and does exactly what he has throughout these playoffs, and that is uh, be the best pitcher on the field. And that made it much easier for Sabords, who was also really good, and coming in, you know, Chapman is what he is. And even though uh, LeClerc gave up, uh, he gave up a run or two, I think. I think it was two runs, I guess, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, he was also good enough to, uh, to help close things down. But the luxury of last night's game not being that close, I cannot emphasize just how important that was. Uh, not just for, for closing the series out, of course, but also uh, I think making it a little bit easier for Texas in transitioning to that World Series matchup here in a couple of days, too. Well, yeah, I mean, they have a few days off, so I don't know how much the rest element would have mattered, but obviously it's it's way easier and way less stressful to not have to need your best arms. There, there's an emotional letdown that might come into play also if it's one of those games that goes down to the wire in the ninth inning. The fact that they could kind of cruise to victory there uh, I think is helpful. Like, that's, you know, it's something that is uh, that's impossible to measure. 
But I'd like to think if we see Texas come out strong in game one, that's part of the reason why that there's the, they're not drained emotionally from what they went through a few days prior. Yeah, perhaps perhaps that is the case. And, man, I mean, I think everybody would have given the pitching edge to the Astros last night. But how about the Rangers' offense in the first inning? I mean, Corey Seager with a bomb to right center to open up the scoring. And Christian Javier didn't get out of the first. We're talking about a guy who through his first three postseason starts, hadn't given up a run and was a part of a combined no-hitter in the World Series last year on the road. And then in the first start of this series, he had a no-hitter through five innings against the Rangers in Game 3. Now, Josh Young hit a two-run homer off of him. Those were the first runs that Javier had given up in four career postseason starts. I mean, the guy was damn near unhittable in the playoffs, and the Rangers knocked him out of the game in the first inning he gave up four hits and a walk it was just amazing amazing to see you couldn't have dreamt a better start for the rangers even though max scherzer wasn't awesome right he didn't even go three innings like you said uh and like that gave him a bunch of confidence that obviously gave the rangers a bunch of confidence that they were able to get to the astros bullpen before the first inning even closed and I know that Scherzer ends up giving up the triple to Alvarez. I think that was his last batter face. That was a hard fought at bat. Like I have no issues with what Alvarez did to him right there. One, it's just that wacky Crawford box and the that scoreboard wall in left field. And Evan Carter had a bit of a tough time defensively last night, as a matter of fact. And uh, obviously that is a, a unique factor for that ballpark that you don't really get most other places. But that was a great at bat for Max Scherzer. He was hitting a lot of the spots that he needed to. And Alvarez was showing why he is the best hitter uh, in baseball right now over the, these last couple of weeks. But I, w- I would have had no issues with Bruce Bochy leaving him in. But you also understand why Boach came and got him right there. Went to Montgomery. Now the concern after that half inning is the Rangers had a, uh, a big half inning after that in the top of the fourth. And so Montgomery had to sit on the bench for a while, but it turned out not to matter. And uh, Jordan Montgomery, I mean, he's not even an unsung hero. He is the sung hero of this rotation right now. He is your game one starter uh, here in a couple of days. And uh, he is a guy that, uh, as a Rangers fan, you have a ton of faith in this team winning the World Series because you're going to get two starts out of him and perhaps a relief appearance, too, before it's all said and done if the series has to go deep enough. Did the Rangers make that announcement? They hadn't, no. I assume it'll be Evaldi who starts game one, not Montgomery. That's why I ask. Hmm. Uh, I would assume Montgomery because the, yesterday was his bullpen session. Now, he did throw uh, a decent number of pitches. Where did he go? Around 50? 50 pitches? That sounds right. Yeah, so I think I think that he went what his bullpen session would have been. And, I, you know, I guess there is a, a conversation to be had. But Jordan Montgomery is your best pitcher right now. So I don't know why you wouldn't. Uh, throw him in game one if he's ready to go physically i i I disagree i'd go avaldi and i think avaldi's the best pitcher but hey both of those guys were awesome in this series and for montgomery to come out of the bullpen and just make sure the astros bats were kept quiet uh that was huge because you don't trust a lot of guys in that rangers bullpen and the fact that they were able to use one of avaldi or montgomery in the last two games of this series was massive was massive because I did not want to see Will Smith out there again for the Rangers or anybody like that Martin Perez no thank you I don't care what the Rangers offense was doing like it's all hands on deck in a game seven uh and that's where a lot of Astros fans are pissed at Dusty Baker like Dusty Baker might be done by the way we talked about this yesterday how if the Astros lost that could have been Dusty's last game there were reports that started surfacing basically right after the last out that said Dusty Baker has been telling people within the Astros organization that this was going to be his last year. But yeah, a couple of decisions. I mean, Justin Verlander could have been an option for Dusty Baker because he had started the same game Montgomery started, right? So it's like, well, if Monty can go and it's a bullpen day for him, then maybe JV can go. I get it. JV is like 40 and he's coming off of a, you know, an injury year last year, a couple years ago, like, Maybe you don't want to risk it, but you know he goes with a couple of the lesser starters, Hunter Brown and then J.P. France, who just didn't have it at all last night. Astros fans questioning that decision. The decision where Martin Maldonado batted with the bases loaded, I think, in the fourth inning. And I know that's early, and you love what Maldi does with the pitching staff, but, dude, like you're down six runs. You need offense here, and you've got 
Yainer Diaz or, you know, a bunch of other guys off the bench who could come in and actually hit. And instead, Dusty rides it out with Moldy, and Moldy pops up, and the Astros don't end up scoring more in that inning. Uh, some questionable decisions for Dusty, and, and that might be the end of, uh, of his tenure. It was a very good one in Houston, even though Astros fans hate him. Uh, I've never quite understood why they all seemingly despise Dusty Baker. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the end, the end of an era for him. But, Trey, I don't think this is the end of an era for the Astros at all. I would totally expect these guys to be right back in this spot next year. Yeah, my hope is that the Astros and Rangers are able to meet in the postseason regularly for the next several years because it does feel justifiably, obviously, with them making it to the World Series that that championship window is open for this franchise for a little while now, considering some of the dues that they have under contract and just how healthy that farm system is, too. Just a matter of replenishing its spots uh, through a combination of prospects and also guys you can go out and sign. And uh, you have the utmost faith in Chris Young knowing exactly who he needs to bring in to help them compete for championships year in and year out just based on uh, what he did this previous offseason, how he was a part of some of the earlier signings that are now really paying off, uh, but also the deals that he made this year in helping this team remain competitive. Yeah, and no Jacob deGrom, too, which is uh, amazing. Yeah. Like, that was the biggest move the Rangers made this past offseason, and uh, he started like six or seven games before he went down with an injury. No surprise there. Uh, but uh, pretty remarkable, man. And yeah, the way the Rangers constructed this team with big free agent signings, but a couple of trades at the deadline this year, they've developed a few of their guys too. Uh, they've got it together, man. And it feels like they could be in the mix for a while. The Astros have obviously been to seven straight ALCSs. Even though Dusty might be gone, they might lose a couple of guys. Uh, most of that roster is coming back. So yeah, I think uh, I think there's definitely a chance we see a couple of more playoff series between these two squads in the coming years. Uh, that was fun. Obviously more fun for Rangers fans. But hell, if you're just a baseball observer, that was pretty fun to watch these two teams go back and forth for seven games like that. How about this round in general, Trey? There were no winner-take-all games in the wild card round. There were no winner-take-all games in the DS. And we got two game sevens in the CS. We've got one tonight in the National League, Arizona in Philadelphia. Winner will face the Rangers. The Rangers will have home field advantage in this World Series regardless of who wins tonight. But I was wrong. I thought Philly would make quick work of the D-bags. But uh, those D-bags, man, they are here, and they've got to be confident after watching a road team win a game seven last night. they got to be thinking, why not us? Yeah, D-bags never seem to go away. Now, I'm not going to act like I'm all that up-to-date on either of these two teams, BK. So for you as somebody who follows baseball as closely as you do, which matchup would you prefer for the Rangers? Oh, the D-bags for sure. Now, the Rangers swept the Phillies in the one series they played this season. That was actually the very first series of the year where that happened. So clearly a lot has changed since then. Uh, the Rangers played four against Arizona, and they went one and three against the snakes this season so regular season record would maybe tell you you'd rather play philadelphia but uh philadelphia is the better team like they've got the experience from last year um and i'll just say it again they're the better team like you, you want to play the worst team so neither team will be easy you've got to be good to make it to the world series and if arizona does get there i mean they would have knocked out you know milwaukee who won a division the la dodgers who won a division and philadelphia who's really good the defending nl champs who knocked out the atlanta braves the best team in baseball so arizona would have earned it i'm not sitting here telling you'd be a cakewalk if it is the d-bags but uh no you, it, i think every rangers fan will be rooting for arizona tonight if it is philadelphia dallas v philly for the world series how about that oh, fuck it give me philly I want Philly. I want those Phillies. Okay. I know it's a tougher uh, tougher path, but I'm confident in this team right now, even understanding in the back of my head that it is the Rangers, and so they're going to rip my soul at some point. Well, you don't have a soul, so you don't have to worry about that. That's true. Can I show you a picture? No. Okay. Never mind. Yes. Okay. <laughs> it's like, shit, I don't really have a pivot here if his answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> this is... uh. See if this pulls up. Yeah, this right here is a bet slip from Circa Resort and Casino in beautiful Las Vegas. I was there with my old job 
a week before the baseball season started. I was there for March Madness because they had uh, Sweet 16 and Elite 8 games in Vegas at T-Mobile. And I texted a bunch of buddies asking them, hey, I'm in Vegas. Anything you want me to bet on? Trey, you were one of the buddies that I bet on? That I bet on. That I texted? And you texted back, I want 100 bucks on the Rangers to win the World Series this year. And I basically texted back, are you insane? Are you high? Are you both? What is wrong with you? But you're like, nope, F it, send it. So At I first I said just, I think I said win the division or make the playoffs or something. But I'm like, no, I just need to go for this here. If I'm going to do it, I need to do it. Right. And you did. And you're four wins away from this ticket cashing. If you're listening on the app, the picture that's on the screen right now on the YouTubes, Trey put down $100 on the Rangers to win the World Series at plus 7,000. If you're good at math, that means if Trey wins and the Rangers win, Trey will be taking home $7,000. So not only do you have a rooting interest because the Rangers are your favorite team, you're also seven grand richer if the Rangers can find four more W's. The Rangers winning the World Series this year may somehow trump the Longhorns winning that national championship in football back in early 2006. And I never thought I would live through a sports moment that would be better than that. But the combination of the Rangers winning the World Series and getting $7,000 on top of it, that, uh, that would come pretty close. Not going to lie. That would come pretty close, especially because Justine and I are going to Vegas in November, and I never go to Vegas. Like, the last time I was in Vegas was probably 15-plus years ago. Wow. It'd be nice to be able to cash this ticket. The question is, am I going to be nice enough to give you this ticket if the Rangers win? Well, I sure hope so. Because it's in my possession right now, and you don't it know is- where it is. It is your in your possession, and I still have not gotten my Olipop, nor have I gotten my sweet-ass Longhorn shirt from Sue Patrick. So you have quite a collection of things that belong to me, sir. You better be nice. And I don't see your name on this Circa ticket, actually, so I'm sure it does belong to you. Man, I'd be your, honor, I ha- your honor, I have the text message archive. <laughs> Let me tell you, I'd be the happiest man in the world to be able to give you this ticket. Because yeah. if I'm not giving you this ticket, that means it's going in the trash because the Rangers lost. So uh, I, I hope and pray that uh, this is going to you in uh, the next week, week and a half, my friend. Yeah, I mean, the series, I think the game seven, if there is a game seven, is in two Sundays. So, yeah, it's literally a matter of a week and a half that we'll know for sure. Man, 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 man. That's crazy. How, how does this compare to 2011 for you right now? Like, are you more confident, less confident? Where Where is the confidence level? Uh, zero. Okay. Because that's just life as a Rangers fan. Yeah. Um, Bruce Bochy gives me confidence. Yeah. I mean, more than one Washington. Yeah, I loved Wash, too. And I paid plenty of tributes to Wash during my college days. That's for sure. But... Mm. <laughs> I think you catch my drift. Oh, you shave your hair into a cul-de-sac or something? What are you talking about here? Yeah, that I would just do weird dance moves in the dugout of my intramural games to pay tribute <laughs> to Wash. That was it. It had nothing to do with booga sugar or anything like that, or adultery or any other randomness that uh, Wash was getting into when he was running the Rangers. But I don't know, man. Just totally different phases of my life. Like I was, uh, I was in high school when the rangers last played in the world series and it's literally i'm lucky to say this and this is probably not true i've I've had some deaths that probably top this but my worst sports memory we'll go ahead and leave it at that is being in the building in the 2011 world series Uh, i was at the last four games of that world series two of them in arlington those were pretty good and then the last two in the forbidden city uh a place that i will not acknowledge a place that i will never go to ever again um and that just like i saved up there's three buddies and me four of us saved up just all of our high school summer job money and drove from dallas to missouri only to have our hearts just ripped out at the at the bush stadium and uh yeah that that broke me dude that broke me 
So, did you cry sports tears that night? They were real tears, dude. And I oh. was I was inconsolable. For <laughs> my friends, my friends were worried about me. Like I don't think I said a word at school for the next like three weeks. Like I I just that's why I have trust issues to this day. People ask like, why are you so negative? Where's this pessimism come from? Literally, it can all be traced back to that moment in October in 2011 where I had whatever heart that I did have just ripped out in front of me and stepped on by that piece of shit. I can't even say his name. David Freeze? That guy. You can say yeah. it. I won't say it. But, uh, yeah, so I, I don't know. In terms of confidence level, like, I just it, – it's it's awesome to be going back um, – I, I will legitimately feel like I'll be able to die happy if if I see the Rangers win a World Series. I think I've said that like since 2011. I didn't think they were going to get back anytime soon, especially considering that they've lost six or they've had six straight losing seasons and a couple of hundred lost campaigns in the mix. I thought it'd be a while before I'd even be thinking about a World Series for the Rangers. And uh, man, it's 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 so awesome. It is so awesome that they're back here. If they can find a way to get this done, this move over bar mitzvah. This will be the greatest day of my life if the Rangers are able to win the whole thing. If you're saying die a happy man, then that makes me wonder where you rank a potential World Series title as compared to every other team that you love. Like, would you rather win the see the Cowboys win the Super Bowl mm-hmm. or the Rangers win the World Series? That's probably the top two for me. Uh, of all Over the teams. Longhorns winning a national championship. Yeah, because I've seen the Longhorns win one before. I was, oh, I was. I guess you're old enough to remember that. I yeah. was young. I mean, I was 11. Like I, I'm not nearly the person I am now. But like I, I remember enough of seeing Texas win one. Now, don't get me wrong. I'd, I'd love to see Texas win one as an adult. That'd, that'd be awesome. I, let me sign up for that, please. Tell me where to sign. Um, but I have seen that. Like I think of all the other teams in my life. I've I've been lucky enough to see most of them win. Um, I think those are the top two. God, the Stars winning a Stanley Cup would be pretty freaking cool too, because that's the best trophy in sports. But it's it's a Rangers Cowboys deal for me. Um, God, the Cowboys would shut so many people up, right? Like that's that's the biggest game, the biggest sport. If they won one, the amount of people who'd have to put their foot in their mouths, it'd be freaking glorious. So that. That right there, so so hold, let me let me let, let me let you in on a little secret, BK. Yeah, yeah. Cowboys winning a Super Bowl is not going to shut anybody up. Just look at all the Astros fans chirping today. Mm. That win last night didn't shut any of them up. If anything, it caused more to come out of the woodworks in trash talk. And by the way, I don't fault you at all for doing that, Astros fans. Nor do I fault Rangers fans for trash talking you that is part of what makes sports so great is rivalries and this is a rivalry yep you have a lot more postseason success than texas does uh since uh over the last seven years now but we got the most recent one and that's going to have to stick with you all off season and all throughout next season too until you can change that in the postseason which you're not going to be able to do for the next week plus well if the Rangers don't win a World Series, then I think Astros fans can resume their trash talk. Like, the Rangers can come back and say, we won the series, screw you guys, we knocked you out. And the Astros can say, well, we've actually been able to win. And we've won True. two. And you guys are now 0-3 in the World Series. So for the for the trash talk to really hit home, you've got to take care of business. Look, people will still shit on the Cowboys. I'm sure Jerry Jones, the corpse of Jerry Jones, because they ain't winning when he's alive. Uh, is going to pay off the refs, and the Cowboys are going to get a call, and that's why they win it if they ever do win it again. So, yeah, the, the trash talk will continue. But when you win a championship, you point to the replica ring that you get at the ballpark the next year. You just you just point to a picture of your team celebrating on the field. Like, there's there's no trash talk back to somebody who's a fan of a team that just won a championship. There's nothing you could say. There's nothing you could say. So... Yeah, people will still talk shit. I don't know, man. Like, I, I think about it. I can watch Cowboys playoff games in public. I can't watch Rangers playoff games in public. Like, I think I, I found that lesson out with game five. We were at a pizza place near a slap box. Great pizza, by the way. Uh, highly recommend. But we were in there, and it was mostly Astros fans, and we were sitting there when Altuve hit that home run. And I just wanted to go on a murderous rampage. <laughs> yeah. 
because I'm not a complete psychopath, but I was seeing red. Like I was, I guess, not quite similar to you, but I was a little bit catatonic with my family. Like I had to force myself to talk to my family about other stuff. Otherwise, I was just going to start yelling at them yeah. for no good reason. Like they were just trying to be nice and console me. I just had to change the subject at that point because uh, I was seeing red. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's how I was. We had our Z Tejas broadcast on Friday when that happened, and I just Ooh. people kept coming up to me. Are you okay? You good? I'm like, no. Like, yeah, I'm fine. Stop asking though, otherwise I'm not going to be fine. <laughs> yeah. Okay, get away We're from me. Right now, otherwise I just let these guys take over the broadcast and be done with this shit. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was uh, that sucked. But hey, four wins away, man. I uh, what a what a series. What a series and. Obviously, Rangers fans will be locked into Game 7 of the NLCS tonight. Arizona and Philadelphia, 7.07 first pitch from the bank in Philly. Uh, but once again, Game 1 will be Friday in Arlington. We'll see if the Rangers can win some freaking games at home in these playoffs. If not, then they're not winning a World Series. Uh, but uh, they will have home field once again, regardless of the outcome tonight. They're going to win games in Arlington. Gosh, I hope I'm not jinxing it by going plural here, but... As we found out last night, I don't believe in superstition. I watched the game, watched it with my kids, even though I didn't watch any of game six, and it turned out not to matter. It's why I would have no problem going up to a pitcher in the middle of a no-hitter in the fifth or sixth inning and say, hey, did you realize you have a no-hitter right now? Awesome, dude. Keep it up. Keep up the good work. Well, the reason the reason the Rangers won is because I, I watched the game on mute on my bottom left AV consultations TV like I did in game six. So this is not you. Just what I was doing was able to offset your jinxing, dude. <laughs> yeah, you know I'm right. You're welcome, Rangers fans. So um, the reason why they're going to win, they're likely going to win games in the World Series is because – some combination of Yovaldi and Montgomery are going to be pitching at least uh, three times in that ballpark. So mm-hmm. they'll win at least one of those games. And I actually feel better about Scherzer continuing to go out there now. I realize he gave up a couple of runs in less than three innings, but you saw a slider uh, working better last night. And so he's getting a feel back for his pitches. And he's an absolute bulldog as a competitor. I know John Schmoltz was was talking about it during last night's game. By the way, he may be the best analyst in all of sports right now. I love hmm. listening to him talk baseball. Um, but uh, Montgomery and Evaldi, whether it's uh, Nathan in game one or Jordan and the other in game two, like those, one of those two guys is going to win one of those first two games. I feel confident about that. Yeah, those guys have been nails all postseason long. And you're telling me you like John Smoltz more than Spencer Tillman? Slightly. <laughs> yeah, but you don't see Joe Davis and Smoltzy doing that in the booth. I, I'm okay with that. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I showed Bucky that this morning. He was losing it, dude. He had not seen that before. Oh, that's, uh, boy, knowing what we do about Tim Brando now, and I'm glad I said what I did about him last week because I've got more Longhorn fans on board this week after uh, just – some of the way he was conducting himself in that Houston game on Saturday. Uh, I love that that video is out there because uh, we're, we're seeing true Tim Brando's true colors there. Yep, absolutely. All right. Hey, AV consultations. I mentioned I was watching on my TV setup last night. Trey, I'm sure you were watching on your AV consultations TV setup last night. Uh, Tom and Astros fan. Haven't, haven't heard from Tom today. Uh, do love Tom though. Do love AV consultations. They, this is the best time of year to make that call. Isn't it Trey? Yes, it is. That's because the NBA season gets going tonight. NHL is now in full swing and we have the world series here in a couple of days to go along with the fact that we're in the middle of football season. Audiovisual consultations has been enhancing that viewer experience in homes and businesses going back more than 35 years now, and they'd love to help you out as well. You can give them a call at 512-255-8678. That's 512-255-8678. You can also go to avconsultations.com to check out all the services that they're going to provide for you. We're actually about to get AV Consultations out to my house, BK, because we're getting some floodlights and security systems put in place. 
some weird stuff happening around our neighborhood. So we're having to keep a closer eye on things now. Fortunately, audiovisual consultations for as much as we talk about the TV setup, they can do that sort of thing exceptionally as well. Again, find out for yourself, avconsultations.com and 512-255-8678. Amen. Amen. Quick check of the code of text line, 512-222-9328. If you're listening on the app and you want to chime in there, feel free to hit us up. Uh, Harrow the Dog says the best part of the Rangers going to the World Series is the fact that it's not the piece of shit Astros. Another text, Alvarez and Altuve. I wanted to walk both of them. Screw the ass trolls. And then mm. a text that says, I still can't look at Nelson Cruz without wanting to effing break something. So, you know, it's such a shame that Nelson Cruz was the guy who had that misplay in right field that allowed St. Louis to tie the game up because. There are comparisons being made right now between Garcia and what Nelson Cruz did in the ALCS that year. Like, he was ridiculous. And the biggest reason why Texas was able to make it to the World Series, now if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, he was pretty good in the World Series too, but he just had that that one horrific gaffe in right field kind of trying to Cadillac a ball that he just needed to run back and catch. And as a result, St. Louis is able to tie the game ultimately win that game and go on to win game seven for another world series crown i'm having too good of a day to talk anymore about that so we're talking now about great blue heron furniture.com the best leather furniture you can find great blue heron furniture we talked about av consultations they've been around since 88 great blue heron furniture has been around since 91 longer than i've been alive you don't last that long unless you know what you're doing and great blue heron furniture knows what they're doing they're the best furniture manufacturer in the world i'm telling y'all you cannot you will not find more stylish more comfortable more well-built furniture anywhere in the world it's a longhorn-owned company shout out to my guy matt most of the manufacturing is done right here in the great state of texas so you are supporting local when you buy great blue heron furniture and hey we're gonna hook you up with a discount code hook them that's right if you type in hook them at checkout you are going to get 15 percent off your purchase from greatblueheronfurniture.com. So if you're looking for furniture that looks amazing and is built to last for decades, not just years, decades, go to greatblueheronfurniture.com. Quick shout out to Altstadt Beer as well. After the last out last night, cracked open a few ice cold Altstats to celebrate. Bucky asked me earlier, hey, were you throwing them around? Like, no, nah, I'm not wasting that stuff. It's too damn good. Got to drink the Altstadt, baby. Uh, hey, if you're an Astros fan, maybe you're drinking out of sorrow. If you're a Rangers fan, maybe you're drinking in celebration. The best time of the sports year is right now, which means you need the best beer to get you through the month of October. That is Altstadt Beer. Pick it up wherever you get your beer. Altstadt Beer. No impurities. No regrets. Trey, I'm hear from Steve Sarkeesian. Let's do it. Sark talked yesterday, and we knew before Sark spoke that Quinn Ewers was not going to be available for this Saturday's matchup against BYU. Sark gave a timeline. He said it's a week-to-week thing for Quinn Ewers. And then Sark was immediately asked, okay, well, what's the plan at quarterback this weekend against the Cougars? Through the week, and and Arch and uh, Malik will both get a ton of reps. Uh, If the game was being played today, Malik would start the game. Um, and, And again, Arch will be ready to go. And like I said before, I've had a ton of confidence in Arch. You know, I think it was a couple of weeks ago. I mean, he had a fantastic practice. Um, and so I'm really encouraged by that. You know, I think Coach Milwee's done a great job with, with both those guys. Um, and so we're fortunate, you know, and not, not every school uh, is as fortunate as we are to, to have the quarterback room that we have and the connectivity that that room has. Um, I think a lot can be said for Quinn and his leadership in that room. I think a lot can be said for, for Charles Wright and his experience and knowledge base of our scheme and the dialogue that those guys have in that room. I think they're always trying to lift each other up and, and help one another. So uh, hopefully we can, we can reap the benefits of that uh, this week. There's Sark. So look, Malik Murphy's going to start this game on Saturday, but it is interesting. Like every time Sark was asked about Malik Murphy, he would make sure to bring up Arch Manning. Obviously in that cut, he brought up Charles Wright and the entire quarterback room, but it makes me wonder what the leash will be for Malik Murphy. Like there's, there's a glass half full and a glass half empty when it comes to these next few weeks, right? The glass half full is Malik Murphy plays so damn well that Steve Sarkeesian has a tough decision to make when Quinn Ewers is healthy again. That'd be awesome because that means Malik is playing really well, and that means Texas is continuing to win games and they still have a shot 
at the Big 12 championship. The glass half empty is the opposite of that. It's we're in the middle of the game on Saturday. Texas is losing. Malik Murphy's thrown a couple of picks, and all of a sudden you're thinking you've got to go to the true freshman, Arch Manning. So I wonder what type of leash that Sark is going to have with Malik Murphy. Once again, hopefully you, you don't you have to worry about that because Malik goes out there and gets the job done. But hearing Sark bring up Arch as much as he did yesterday makes me think that, hey, Sark won't hesitate. If Texas is in danger of losing this weekend, Sark will make the move to the true freshman. Yeah, remember how Quinn Ewers' leash last year was, oh, I don't know, a mile long? Mm-hmm. Was there even a leash or was he just allowed to to roam the dog park freely? Well, Malik Murphy, if we see him turn the football over a couple of times in the first half on Saturday and BYU is close or maybe even leading at halftime, I'm not going to be surprised, assuming Arch Manning was decent in practice this week, to see him make a move to Arch Manning because he understands how much more is on the line right now than was a year ago as – he was letting Quinn Ewer struggle for the sake of his development. I still disagree with that decision back then. I think Hudson Carr would have given you a chance to win a couple of those games. You might have found your way into a Big 12 championship game. But uh, this year, Quinn has proven that that uh, turned out to be a sound strategy because he has taken those major steps forward. I don't know what it would take for Malik Murphy Uh, for him to play so well that Sark would have a hard time putting Quinn back in as the starter. I think, if anything, it allows them the opportunity to maybe rest him an additional week if need be versus forcing him back. Um, If they do take care of business, let's say, through Kansas State, there's a question as to whether Quinn should come back or wait one more week. You might have that luxury then. But when Quinn Ewers is healthy, he is this team's starting quarterback, regardless of how either of these guys plays over the next uh, two to three weeks now. I think you're probably right. You don't think there's any chance where, you know, if Texas wins both of these games, like 45 to whatever, I guess it doesn't matter too much what the defense does, but like if the Texas offense looks better with Malik than Quinn, you think there's any chance that Sark sticks with Malik? I guess you're going to have to go into more detail on what better is because this offense is, has been pretty darn good uh, over, over the last month now, especially as they've gotten things going more in the first half. I realize they stagnated in uh, midway through the second quarter into the fourth quarter of the game on Saturday. But this is a, a unit that I have a ton of faith in. In some weird ways, I now have more faith in them than I do the defensive side of the ball. So I guess if Malik keeps that up and isn't turning the ball over at all, perhaps it, it is a conversation. But I also know how Steve Sarkeesian feels about Quinn Ewers, yeah. too, going back to that uh, extremely long leash last year. And he probably also recognizes that uh, to uh, have a guy lose a job like that who was playing well because of an injury probably ain't the right way to go about it either. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, Like, there might be some fans who want to stick with Malik if he goes out there and gets the job done and Texas keeps winning. But uh, I think once Quinn Ewers is healthy, uh, he is going to be this team starter again. Well, here's the other thing to think about it with, uh, about with this too. Like, how inclined is Steve Sarkeesian going to be to let Malik Murphy throw the football 17 times in the first half? Let's say this Saturday or even next Saturday in Kansas State. That's a probably a worst case scenario for Steve Sarkeesian and how he's crafting that game plan right now. That's not to say he's not going to let him throw occasionally early, you know, in in terms of down and distance, and then also early in the game too. But he realizes how much more important it is now that this team establishes a strong rushing attack, not just with Jonathan Brooks, but with C.J. Baxter, who looks as healthy as he has been since the first quarter of the first game of the season. Like those two guys, you can build an entire game plan around and allow your inexperienced quarterback to be a little bit more of a game manager and uh, maybe throw it 15 to 20 times at most, minimize the turnovers and, uh, Give him some easy throws early on, too, just to to simplify things as much as possible for him. A game manager. Not that there's anything wrong with that. (laughs) Here's one more from Sark. Talking about the game plan, right? He was asked, hey, what's your your offense going to look like with Quinn Ewers out this weekend? Here's Coach. I mean, I I think in the end is we got to take our time as a coaching staff, uh, which we started on yesterday. What are the things that Malik does well? What are the things that Arch does well? It's not always about 
the idea of the play and putting it on a whiteboard because there's a lot of plays that look good, but what do they do well? And then how do we ensure, okay, here's the concepts that we think they run really well. They don't have to run the whole playbook. They need to run what they run really well. And then how do we devise a plan that incorporates what they do well with the personnel formation, motion shifts, run game to tie it all together. And so uh, that that's kind of how you do it. You know, um, uh, I, I think it's important that they get confidence early is always helpful, but you never know how a game's going to go. These guys are elite competitors. Uh, I'm not concerned about them, you know, fighting through when adversity strikes, but I do want to make sure that I'm, I'm giving them the opportunity to do the things that they've shown us that they're good at and that they like um, because, you know, Saturday does is going to be a test enough. It doesn't need to be a final exam as far as, you know, let's test them on and things that they might know or might not know. I'll, I want to test them on the stuff that I know they know really well. Uh, I hope they get 100%. This is an open book test. I hope they, I hope they play great. So there you go. I appreciate the earnestness of that answer there. Yeah, yeah I thought I, I wouldn't have been surprised if he's like, we're not going to change anything because he doesn't want to give any competitive edge to BYU or future opponents that might face Malik Murphy or Arch Manning, but he's exactly right. What do those guys do well as quarterbacks? If there are specific throws, there are specific guys they like to target in practice. Like, do we see more of Jonte Cook this week because Malik Murphy has more experience throwing him the football as part of those second team reps? It's a possibility, uh, but I think that uh, he also knows deep down, and I know we mentioned the rushing game too, that running the football just became much more imperative to try and simplify things and to ease each of these guys into action or one or the other into action, depending on uh, how the uh, the starter situation looks or if it turns into a bit of a QB rotation, that. Yeah, everyone's got to pick up Malik Murphy, right? Everyone else has to be better. Uh, the guys who are starters on this team need to pick up their game to make sure that they overcompensate for a potential disparity in quarterback play this weekend. And look, for Sark, I, I'm with you. That answer was awesome. And Sark's offenses have always been described as quarterback friendly, and Sark has yeah. always been described as a quarterback whisperer. Well, that 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 right there, that answer tells me that all that stuff is true. Now, he also has the track record to back it up, so I didn't doubt it even before I heard that answer. But that's what you got to do because there are things that – Quinn can do that Malik can't do. There are also things that Malik can do that Quinn can't do. And same thing with Arch, right? So you've got to find a way to maximize the skill sets of your quarterback. And that's what Sark's got to work on. I mean, I don't know what to expect from Malik Murphy. He looked great in the spring game. Uh, He threw two passes last week. He's thrown a couple of other passes in garbage time this year. That's it. Like That's all we've seen from that guy. So, yeah, I have faith. Of course I have faith. But it's a blind faith. Anybody who's telling you more than that right now is lying. Like, nobody outside of the locker room really knows what to expect from Malik Murphy, and I'm not even sure how many guys inside the locker room know what to expect with Malik Murphy because he hasn't played in a full game like he will on Saturday. So we'll find out together. Hopefully uh, he's good enough, and hopefully the rest of the guys on Texas are good enough to lead this team to a victory. Dude, I see people posting Malik Murphy's high school highlight reel as evidence that he's going to be good. Like, please just stop. Like, it's fine if you want to post the high school highlight reel, but just say this is his high school highlight reel. Make of it what you will. Don't state this unequivocally like this is why this guy is going to be so good because that is absurd. And in the tweet that I saw that mentioned this, like you even talk about him working on his mechanics and uh, getting into the strength and conditioning program to uh, to have a stronger body when he gets back out there too. Just admit, like everybody else, that you have no idea, but you're excited to see. Like you believe that uh, Malik can show uh, another great example of why Steve Sarkeesian is such a great developer of quarterbacks without uh, without going to ridiculous lengths to try and prove it. What about that weight room picture? The weight room picture, yeah, it's a cool picture. Those guys are uh, obviously hitting the hitting the weights and eating right and they've got the those healthy young college bodies I'm, I'm happy for them for that but that also matters very little in terms of whether a guy can play the position like he's in good shape that's awesome can he play the position well though can he process things like he needs to mentally like it, it seems like he can just based on going back to the uh the spring game but that was also just a spring game too uh, what happens on Saturday is a very different set of circumstances, but I'm excited to watch to see what happens. Yep, me too, me too. All right, shout out to our friends at Covert B Cave. If you're looking for a new or pre-owned car, truck, or SUV, 
got to go to Covert Bee Cave. Three state-of-the-art dealerships, seven brands on 42 acres out there in the gorgeous Central Texas Hill Country. The best deals, the best selection, the best service. The Covert Auto Group has been around since 1909. You don't last that long unless you're taking care of people. They're the best that there is. Of course, they've got Covert Chevy, Covert Ford, Covert Lincoln, and Austin and Hutto, and uh, Covert Bee Cave, seven different brands. Go say hi to Dan and Stacy and Mike and Jerome and Marcus and the whole team out there at Covert Bee Cave. Nobody beats a Covert deal, not now, not ever. And, of course, a shout-out to Olipop real quick as well. Healthy soda, that's good for you, Trey. You're getting some of that soon, I promise. I promise. Not sure you when, liar. but I promise. Olipop, great tasting soda. That's good for you. Yeah, healthy and good for you. Yeah, no shit. That's what healthy means, BK. Good job, idiot. Great <laughs> tasting soda. That's also good for you. Trey, it's about time for where are we at in society. What are you feeling for pest wranglers today? I'm feeling alive, Reed, for Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers, the sponsor for Where We At In Society and a proud sponsor of Texas Sports Unfiltered. We love our relationship with Pest Wranglers, not just because they've done such a great job of taking care of those pest problems, going all the way back to 2006 in homes and in businesses, but most importantly, Steve, our guy Cooter, he is the owner and operator of Pest Wranglers. He values people, he values relationships, and he makes sure to treat his employees right so his employees provide excellent customer service to you, the customer. You can find out for yourself in a couple of different ways. One, you can go to Google or Yelp and see all the five-star ratings and reviews for Pest Wranglers. You can look at their motto, effective, reliable, affordable, or you could just go to pestwranglers.com. That's their website. Check out all the services that they provide and contact them to take care of those pest needs. And as I said, Pest Wranglers is the sponsor of... Where are we at in society today? All right, it is your daily look at stories that show we as a people are headed in the wrong direction. Very occasionally, I will give you a story that provides a sense of optimism that has us all saying to ourselves, hey, maybe we as a people are starting to figure something out. Perhaps all is not lost. But sadly, today is definitely not that day. And BK, I'm just going to have to read the headline to you. (sighs) Texas kindergarten teacher caught giving melatonin gummies to students. Yes. In special education class. No. (laughs) A kindergarten teacher in Humble, Texas, was caught slipping melatonin gummies to students in a special education class. A parent of one of the students who was given the melatonin gummies told Houston affiliate KTRK the principal called her to tell her what happened. The mother, who doesn't want to be named, said her five-year-old son is nonverbal And this is her worst nightmare. Something happened at school and her son is unable to communicate. Oh, my God. This is a new level of evil and probably a little bit of peace and quiet for the kindergarten teacher, too. Mm -hmm. She said her son's teacher had called her before asking for advice on how to calm him down. Quote, she called me a few times asking, what do you do at home? What do you suggest to calm him down? He's very active. and We sometimes have a hard time getting him to focus back on the task at hand, the teacher said. The mother said the teacher even asked if her son liked gummies and took gummy vitamins, but she didn't think much of the comment until now. Quote, we noticed on three different occasions when he came home, he was completely lethargic, stumbling to get off the bus. It is a breach of trust. Are we sure these are melatonin gummies and not maybe uh, THC gummies? Well, melatonin puts you to sleep, right? So it would make sense that the kid's kind of drowsy and acting like that. It does, it does, but so might the THC or CBD gummies. She ain't wasting those, though. Those are a lot more expensive than melatonin. Just depends on how good of a job they do. In response to the incident, the Humble School District sent KTRK a statement saying, quote, the district took immediate action to launch an investigation. Our investigation found that the teacher did give out melatonin, acting on her own and without obtaining parental permission. The teacher did not notify campus administration nor the nurse. Hmm. Spokesperson also said the district is appalled and the teacher's actions were unacceptable. The teacher 
has not been charged, but was allowed to resign and no longer works for the district. When KTRK asked why the teacher wasn't fired, the spokesperson for the district said accepting a resignation is the most efficient. Quote, terminating a teacher under state law can be a more drawn out process because there are multiple steps that must occur to terminate a teacher's contract. So they let her resign instead. What are they, the NCAA? They just don't want to do any work, so they let her resign instead of firing her? Ooh. Mm. Well, let's see. Humble Independent School District. If it was Houston Independent School District, then I would say most certainly yes. Or if it was AISD, most certainly yes. But uh, teachers unions also have a lot of sway. So even in a cut and dry situation like this, it uh, is a little bit more of a process. I actually do understand why they gave her the option of resigning because otherwise this is going to get much more embarrassing for this woman. Yeah. Because right now she remains unnamed. If she tries to fight this thing, well, she has to put her name out there and then she becomes the teacher who is drugging special needs kids to get them to calm down. Yeah, you don't want to be known as that. Um God, yeah. I mean, she's not getting another teaching job if people find out that this is her. Like, she's got a shot, maybe not in the Houston area anymore, but she's got a shot to get a teaching job somewhere else if she wants it, as long as this story doesn't get out and her name doesn't get out. But what a mess, dude. So how did they find out? Did they just, like, ask her? Did they find melatonin in her desk drawer at school? So the mom, who was quoted earlier in this article... Called the school, but I think the children going on here. My kid is coming home super lethargic. It's like he's stoned on THC gummies. And so they probably looked through the special ed classroom. And unfortunately, they find the melatonin gummies in there and they address the teacher directly and say, Hey, you giving these kids melatonin gummies? And she says, Yes. And so <laughs> case, she said yes to that. She's been like, No, these are mine. These are for me. Why are you taking melatonin gummies in the middle of school? So you can go to sleep on your special needs students? Hmm. I'm taking them right before I drive home so I can fall asleep on the drive so I don't have to show up to work tomorrow. Oof. Could have been that. Maybe. Do you take melatonin? No, I've done it before. Um, But no, thankfully I'm able to sleep. There was like one prescription medicine I was taking for a while that like effed up my sleep and I had to offset it with melatonin. Mm. But like normally I'm I'm able to sleep and I'm so grateful for that because I can't imagine what life would be like if I had insomnia or sleep apnea because that sounds miserable, dude. Yeah, I I probably go through a little bit of insomnia from time to time where it really is hard to even start to go to bed before one or two in the morning. But recently, I've been a total old guy about going to bed. Like last night, the game ended. I know you talked about cracking open a couple of all stats. Like I probably, I, I wanted to do that too, but it got to the end of the game. And I felt like it was 10, 15 or 10, 30. So I watched a couple of post-game interviews. Like I was having a hard time keeping my eyes open. Hmm. So I just went straight to sleep and uh, woke up bright and early. So my kids, I forget if we talked about this on the air or not. I, I allowed my kids to stay up as late as they could to watch the game seven. Justine was upset with me. She's like, what are you doing? They're going to go to bed so much later if they stay up for the whole game. I'm like, they're not going to stay up for the whole game. But it's important for me to impart just how important a game seven is. Yeah. And also to uh, to make sure that they grow up as Rangers fans. Because this is their first memory of baseball. And win or lose, they're either going to deal with the heartbreak or the joy of Texas making it to a World Series. And so even though they both went to bed more than hour, uh, more than an hour later than usual, they were both up earlier than normal to ask me, Dad, did the Rangers win last night? I said, yes. I got to hear them cheer about it, and it made the evening all the more worth it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yes, congrats to the Rangers fans out there. And I may have slipped them THC gummies to help them go to bed by the first time. <laughs> Uh, that's why I couldn't be a parent, dude. My kids would be stoned all the time. It'd just be less annoying. Not really CPS. I did not really do that. Whatever. All right. I wonder if Chip... Nah, Chip's never done that before to his kids. His kids are great. We'll bring on <laughs> Chip and Zay right now. Because Chip and Zay are coming up from one to three. Chip, you ever given your kids any THC or melatonin gummies? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> Good save. Zay, Zay doses himself sometimes. What, the melatonin? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, do you use melatonin for real? I was talking about the THC gummies. Oh, yeah, from time to 
time to time I'll dabble, but yeah, the melatonin, yeah, you gotta use that every once in a while. I'm getting up there, man. Does it really does it really help you sleep? I know I know people have done it before. I've never taken melatonin for sleep though. I'm like um, no. to sleep pretty easily. No, nah, I think it's just mental, man. I think it's a scam. At least for me it is. I don't know. But have you tried magnesium cream on the back of your calves and on the underside of your feet? Oh my gosh, you almost went to two very interesting places there, but uh, <laughs> nicely, Chip. Oh, put you right to sleep. I don't even know what that is. What is magnesium? I don't know what that is either. I don't either. Huh. But <laughs> my wife had it, and it's amazing. Oh, God. All right. You guys are always amazing. Y'all have a great show. Excited to listen. Trey, see you tomorrow. Good job. Peace.